You're listening to the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things, putting purpose to pain, turning men into soldiers, and weaponizing testimonies. I'm Mitch Parsons, and I am your host. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Over a Drink podcast, the podcast that's dedicated to normalizing normal men talking about normal things. Tonight, we are, we're starting to cruise. We have our fourth episode, uh, and, it, and it feels like, for me, it's just been one after another, which is fun because we're releasing them one at a time, obviously, and once a week, but uh, with baby coming, I am starting to try to record these more frequently so I can have a backlog and be a dad uh, in October. Hopefully I can have enough to get through the new year. That's the goal. But tonight uh, it worked out that we also had dinner with our drinks because Jess is at a girls' night, a Bible study, uh, and she can't do spicy with pregnant belly. And so therefore on Days that she's not around, I do spicy for myself because I love spicy and hot chicken is my favorite food. I am a hot chicken connoisseur. I've had every hot chicken in the state that claims to make good hot chicken. Uh, And Music City Hot Chicken is my favorite. They're in Fort Collins and actually now on Broadway. And uh, I'm going to be going here this weekend and so to their new store, to their new storefront. And I am so excited. Uh, I'm excited to have the guest that I have on tonight. He is a a friend of mine that I have known for coming up on four years. Uh, And it's funny because our relationship has been a roller coaster. Uh, Corey and I did not like each other when we first met, (laughs) which is funny uh, now that he is sitting across the table from me. Uh, I think we literally had a phone call where I called him and I was like, dude, I don't like you. And he was like, cool, I don't like you either. Uh, (laughs) Which that was years ago. uh, And today is today. uh, And enough rambling. Actually, real quick, we are, I did, I think I mentioned it. Maybe not. Uh, We are drinking Screwball. Uh, It's a peanut butter whiskey, which is, it sounds really weird, but it's really good. Uh, and so I think it might become a staple of this show, peanut butter whiskey and Sprite. So screwball, if you want to, you know, send a couple bottles to your boy's way, uh, I will continue to shout you out because I love your product, man. You got, you got good stuff. (laughs) Shout out to Saturday night live. Uh, but as I keep rambling, I want to give my guest a chance to introduce himself. And so, Corey, the floor is yours. Well, the funny thing is, anytime I talk, I feel like I instantly lose all sense of what English <laughs> is or has been. So normally it's, and w- welcome to me. I am. <laughs> I yes. am human guy. <laughs> and I blink. Do, do you blink? And I can, <laughs> I can, I can verify that that is the truth i (laughs) i have seen to someone with a way of words that you have in songwriting and singing and yeah i love you but it is it's it's a train wreck at times last week in nashville 
I held the door open for somebody and they said, hey, thanks, man. And I finger gunned him and said, for real. And that was it. It was just the weirdest thing. Sounds like a Nick Miller. Yeah. A Nick Miller Which is my dad's name, which is crazy. But there are some similarities between Nick Miller and myself. I can see it. Yeah. Who's your favorite new new girl character? Ooh, it would have to be a tie between, which isn't fair. It's defeating the question. But I feel like it would have to be either Winston or Schmidt. They're both equally as caricature-ized, you know? I feel like Jess and I have watched that show like five times through mm-hmm. which is really embarrassing uh no. but every time i watch it there's a different favorite character for me yeah and it's never jess which is like yeah i feel like she's a solid character but she just the other three to me are just there's been debates of that she like the show could go on without her even though the show is like no i i would agree she here's what she does she creates so much tension where the others live so gloriously so her life is just such a disaster most of the time (laughs) that the the other three characters are just dancing around her mess yeah it's great so yeah that's that's truth it really does work i i I do think that winston just comes alive what about the same time that his bird shirts emerge in the story yeah winston just (laughs) like like the whole time when he's like pranking people and he's like, here's what we do. And it's just like not enough we or it's pile, way too much. Yeah, we put a pile of dirt by their bed. And they're like, no. And he's like, okay, battery acid in their shampoo. It's like. No in between. Bro, <laughs> chill out. <laughs> yeah. And so, so Harry Potter. Oh, man. I love it so much. To an embarrassing amount. Yeah. Honestly, at this point, it's, it's getting uh, inappropriate. How much time did you spend in the wand store at Disney World? Oh, I spent way too way too long. Um, first of all, it was a glorious exper- experience. Universal, I hats off. It was one of the most immersive experiences I've I've been to, um, and did, it just didn't disappoint. All the all the conversations I had with the workers, they were they stayed in character. Um, did you the, quiz them on spells? I did in in the wand shop because I I needed to know before I took their advice that they knew what they were talking about. And one girl did not. But then this other guy came up and I'm like, you were born for this. And this is where you belong. And he helped me pick my wand out. It was great. Yeah, well, I'm I'm thankful that you got your wand. Uh, But before we jump into uh, what we're here to talk about, what house do you belong to? I'm a Gryffindor. And I, I receive a lot of flack for that because... Yeah, apparently it's annoying these days. But I because everyone wants to be a Gryffindor. Harry's a Gryffindor, so you're like, I'm a Gryffindor. Yeah, but Harry's so annoying, right? I mean, gosh, I can't think of a more annoying character than Harry. He just whines for seven books. You yeah, know, but you named your dog after it. I named my dog Griff, short for Godric Gryffindor. Um, but it's annoying. No, no, no. Harry is annoying. Harry is annoying. Yeah, he just okay. he's he moans and just. <laughs> whines about it like sure your parents died i'm sorry about it but (laughs) that was dark sorry uh some screwball to that (laughs) super weird so the the mission behind this podcast is to weaponize testimonies and Corey and i were talking off mic about this about just the power of it Hmm. the power of sharing testimonies and um I would love 
like when an opportunity like this to come on to a no name podcast with your friend what why like what to you like what is sharing your testimony mm. i mean there's there's the obvious answer that i i'll i'll stick with and then there's there's an explanation but ultimately you say it in in the way you talk about your podcast it's weaponizing stories and and that's what it is it's it's we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony um and and that not only frees us but it frees those around us and those that hear the story um i just think there's something really freeing and really beautiful about me sharing a piece of my perspective or my story with you is inviting you into my world to see the world from the filter that I see the world. Mm-hmm. And what that does is it's twofold. I am more understood through that process. But the second layer is you more understand what I'm saying what I've lived, what I've experienced because of that and vice versa. You know, to be understood is I think like a core human desire. Um, more importantly, or or on top of that, to be understood and accepted after mm-hmm. is supreme. And so yeah. to sit with people that are like-minded and say, this is my story, this is my experience in life, for you to hear it and say, I accept you. Um, is one of the most beautiful human exchanges I think there there is. Yeah, I love I love that, and I think like in the world of social media that we live in today, <laughs> we're constantly trying to put out this image or this mm-hmm. product that is acceptable, quote unquote, finger quotes. Yeah, and to share the raw, vulnerable, honestly, it sometimes like feels gross kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And to be accepted for it afterwards is, like you said, it's like it's it's a core desire. Like mm-hmm. I think it's a fear too. Like if you see this, you're gonna run. Yeah. And for someone who a majority of your life is spent on a platform, like a stage. Mm-hmm. Not a majority of your life, but your working life. A lot of it is on a, a stage. A lot of people don't know where these songs come from. They sing along with you, but they don't. They know that you wrote them, but mm-hmm. where is that coming from? And I think, I mean, honestly, I, I know a good amount, a decent amount, I would say. But I'm excited to to ha- to have the opportunity to, for you to share with me some of those things. Yeah, um, because Corey on Instagram is different than. Because just by the nature of it, like you're not going to be, I was talking to you earlier about how people who are close, close friends of mine texted me after my episode and were like, dude, I had no clue. And I'm like, well, I'm not Mm going to share that with you over a, we're just watching a movie, (laughs) but also transferred home because of this. Like, like it's one of those things with the opportunity and like for you, like in the, in the lobby, you're not going to sit and have an hour conversation about how often do you just get to talk about yourself? Very little, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a desire of people. Like, and like, I feel like it's, we're told that it's gross to talk about yourself. Like, always talk about other people. Mm-hmm. But like, 
how healing is it to be able to be like, this is like what happened to me Mm -hmm. and you know me better now because of it. Yeah. And maybe my pain can like serve a purpose. Like maybe you can take that and take it with you somewhere. Mm, That's so good. That's so good. And and I feel what's interesting about the the world of social media, Instagram, whatever, whichever platform you want to use, it seems to be the main culprit right now is Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, But there seems to be this thing. If I see one more person self-label themselves as influencer, I'm going to lose my mind. Well, I've self-labeled myself as a model. So (laughs) go for it. So if anybody wants uh, (laughs) some modeling pictures, I'm here. Like it's verified. It's on Instagram. (laughs) It's on my account. So it's right. Yeah. Well, if I see one more person do it, I'm going to lose my mind. And it's the thing is I'm not against influence. I mean, I think influence is – it's currency it you earn it for sure um and some of it's just favor which is amazing and i'll never be mad about influence but what happens what makes me sad and and why i'm a little bit irked by the self-labeling influencer is you're immediately drawing a wedge between you and everyone else around you you're saying Mm -hmm. look to me i have the answers um i'm on the mountaintop and I have I have the gold, hmm. and you need the gold. Um, and what the, all that does is it's a recipe for disaster. You're going to crash and burn, dude. Yeah. You're going to feel alone, and no one's going to understand because you didn't invite anybody along in the journey. Hmm. Um, so anyway, we got on a tangent, but I could stand on that soapbox. Well, as you said that, it, it real quick, we'll jump on the soapbox for one more second. <laughs> I was reading in James today, and in James 3, it talks about the two different types of wisdom. And the first wisdom is one that's earthly and such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic for where you have envy and self ambition that there you find disorder and every evil evil practice. And then in 17, it says that was verse 16 and 17. It says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is pure, then peace, loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Mm. peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. And I think what you're speaking to is like this self-acclaimed, self-proclaimed influence is like, and you have like, they're, they're speaking wisdom into people quote unquote, but it's coming from them because they're trying to just increase their influence anymore. Yeah. And that's just, I read that this morning. I was like, Oh dang. <laughs> like, <laughs> like truly like, well, the thing like for me is like with this whole project, like, the wisdom's not coming from what you and I are going to say tonight. Mm-hmm. The wisdom is like Holy Spirit download. Like you're going to choose in a moment when we finally get to it, where to start telling your testimony, what to include and what to exclude. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to be by you. That's going to be by the Holy Spirit saying, hey, yeah. uh, John in Mississippi needs to hear about this. And so make sure to include this. Yeah. Um, and... John in Mississippi. I don't even have a listener in Mississippi. I don't think. Maybe by the time that this is aired, I will. Right now, we're all in Denver. Um, but I have some good friends in Mississippi. I'll send it to. All me. right, send it to him. Uh, I'll search for a John. Hotty toddy. Um, but all right. Anyways, that's an Ole Miss thing. If thought y'all don't, um, Corey's nodding. He understands. I get but uh, Corey, your testimony or your story, uh, if you were to start today. Um, and I would, I'm going to like, Corey, will you share your testimony with me? Yeah. 
Well, first of all, my testimony feels like in my head, it's this is a really not manly uh, comparison, <laughs> but I'm just going to go for it anyway. Do you know the movie? What's the movie? I always forget the title. I would get it mixed up, but it's uh, with Anne Hathaway and uh, Julie Andrews. Princess Diaries. That's it. Princess Diaries. Uh, my wife will be I'm, so proud of me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, I always call it Princess Bride, and that's, that's the another old movie. one that is amazing. Yeah. But, okay. Princess Diaries. Her and her mom are doing this art thing where they're like throwing darts at balloons and paint goes everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel like my testimony is in my head, where I'm just like, where does it? It's all together, and it all becomes one at some point. It's pretty so, when you step back and look at it, but yeah, yeah, focusing on, was, there's focusing this on one lining. part, and, and it is like, what's going on here? <laughs> Sorry, um, I interrupted. I won't do it again. You're good. Well, I'll, I'll start, you know, I think it's important to understand the story, to understand this, that uh, my mom was 15 when she got pregnant with me and my brother. We're twins. Um, so she was super young, and... She's one of the toughest women I know, uh, but had to start from scratch, you know. And so we started off with no boundaries whatsoever. Um, there were there were uh, there were very little there there was very little rhythm when I look back on my childhood, which you know really speaks to a lot of the way I operate today. Um, those who are close to me, Mitch knows this. Um, I'm kind of like this tornado human that I'm like here. And then my brain is over there, but I'm like thinking about two weeks from now, but also I need to process what happened a month ago. And, um, just a little bit out of order at all times. And I just had to shake hands with that. But my mom and my dad, um, they were 15, you know, for the love of God, they're kids having kids. And um, one of them raised to the occasion and is, quite frankly, one of the strongest people I ever met. It's my mom. And the other uh, just didn't know how to handle it. And and I I think never really graduated from um, that state of mind. And I think, you know, growing up without having a, a father influence was really detrimental in in so many ways and i think there's a lot of people that can you know relate to that that reality for me it wasn't so much that he wasn't there it was it was that i i i felt so um felt i felt like such a letdown um i was the reason he didn't become a baseball star um or I was I was the re- I was always musical and he wanted a sporty son, um, and we were always super close to our mom because she was there, and he viewed that as weak and he viewed that as feminine, um, and and that that was just tough. It was it was a it was a a whole childhood full of knowing that I just couldn't measure up, and I think that that was hard, man. That was that was really difficult. I think. You know, as as kids, we come up with survival instincts, and we come up with ways to um, either avoid it, or reframe it, or um, lash out because of it. And I, I sunk sunk even deeper into that like tornado person personality. I was just like, well, life is good, and I'm good. <laughs> and instead of being sad or upset, 
or angry. I'm just going to be aloof and I'm going to, we, we eventually moved in with our grandparents and not moved in, but you know, spent the majority of our time there and they had a couple horses and I decided that horses were my friends and people would never get close to me. Um, you know, pretty, pretty soon, pretty soon into my, uh, let's see, this was eight year old Corey about to turn nine year old Corey. Um, I experienced some pretty, pretty intense sexual abuse and, um, all the while lacking, um, a father to understand what happened. Um, and so there, there was another nail in the coffin for people where I was like, Oh, I hate people (laughs) and horses will never betray me. So let's just (laughs) really, let's really make my home there, you know? Um, and so I think I learned early on to keep people really, really distant and, um, in order to have functioning family and friendship, what I learned to do very early was to make people feel like I was really close to them and they would never know it, but they couldn't have been more stiff armed by me. Uh, I would give them just enough to make them feel sometimes even creating. It it was sometimes it was really manipulative. Um, It has been in the past. Um, Sometimes creating new narratives just to be like, I want to give you something so that you feel like you know me, but I don't want you to know me because I'm messed up or I'm going to just disappoint you. Um, And so, uh, you know, all of this was a cyclical behavior for me. I, I would, I would find friends, um, that weren't horses, <laughs> mind <laughs> you. Um, I'd find friends, get close and immediately in my head, I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're going to hate me. So, um, I'm going to peace out and, but still do enough to make them feel I'm close. And cycle continues. Boom, boom, boom. It happens over and over and over again. Eventually I'm 17 and I go to a youth camp. I followed a girl, and her name will still be censored <laughs> on the internet, but she was the pastor's daughter. And and by the way, side note here, um, I ha- am still unpacking some of the church baggage because of this place, um, because I didn't come from a family where it was appropriate to be close to. Hmm. We weren't. Uh, important, I'm using air quotes, important in the church. And uh, because of my mom's story or because of whatever, fill in the blank, um, I was always kind of taboo to hang out, hang around with, which was really disappointing and was another tally mark in the, you're just gonna, you're gonna be a disappointment to people. They, they want you to be something else than you are. Um, however, we went to youth camp uh, it was an assembly of God youth camp and I got just wrecked by the Holy Spirit. It was the first time that I've, um, it wasn't the first time I felt the Holy Spirit, which is what I'm excited to talk about, but it was the first time that I experienced the Holy Spirit, but also had context and information to know that it was Jesus. Um, 
I, uh, I remember being so angry in the moment. I was 17 years old. I still hadn't told a soul what happened to me as a kid and still hadn't processed anything with my dad. Um, and I was so angry with the, the, the preacher kept saying like, God is a shepherd. And he's like, he's a really good father. And he kept saying these really intense trigger words for me. And it would end up being that I, every time that those trigger words would use, I would just be livid. I mean, dude, uh, like seeing sparkles mad. I don't know if that makes sense, no, but like, it does. there's like these like little dust mites yeah. in my uh, sight. That, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I was so angry, but I remember looking around and I saw this girl uh, at the altar and she was bawling and I think there's a piece of me that was like, it was a really arrogant, bratty prayer that I prayed. But I was like, okay, Jesus, with as much sarcasm and disdain as I could muster. But I was like, if you, I guess you're really good at this. Another set of air quotes. Um, If you can do anything, would you just heal her? And for whatever reason, the moment that I finished that prayer, the Holy Spirit, like, invaded my mind and it i remember feeling like i legitimately my body stood up for the first time um i felt like it's the most tangible piece of proof that i have of that philippians verse it says like don't be anxious about anything but let the let the peace that passes all understanding stand guard at your heart and mind um nothing about my reality had changed but suddenly I had experienced something that went way beyond my logic or way beyond my experience. Mm. Um, and so peace was suddenly a part of me. Mm. Um, you know, and then from there I turned into an absolute worship freak. I mean, I was a hippie. I literally it was just at the church at, at all times. I wanted to be in worship. I remember, I remember being so on fire for God that I came home from youth camp. I immediately had my parents drive me, or my mom, she drove me to uh, Mardell. Holla. <laughs> Mardell, how are you still in business, but I support you? <laughs> Just a bookstore full of different <laughs> kinds of Bibles wrapped in different types of leather. There's just Everywhere. so many live, laugh, love <laughs> art just, pieces. Just they were made for women in their 40s to decorate their kitchens. <laughs> yeah. There was like this whole section that was just seashell theme. <laughs> I, question mark? I don't well, know. I don't understand. Well, there's God knows you better than the grains of sand <laughs> on the beach, obviously. I looked down and there were two sets of footprints. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Someone's really upset right now. We're going to get some emails. Um, I need some emails. That's a good. If you want to sign up for the email list, <laughs> you'd like to overdrinkpodcast at gmail Send me an email. That's amazing. Um, but I went to Mordell and uh, I got the Hillsong United record that had Brooke Frazier, who just one moment. Brooke Frazier is the reason I'm doing music today. I, I I know the Christian answer is to say that it's the Lord, but it's Brooke Frazier. Um, she's the first person that I heard that I loved her music, like secular, all of it. Um, she's the first vocal that I heard that I was like, whoa, I want to do that. Um, 
anyway, I remember getting that record, bringing it home, and uh, the only because because my mom just kept having children, um, <laughs> she just kept popping them out. Um, the only alone time I could get was in our bathroom, and I would literally bring my little like what I guess you call it a boombox, but it wasn't a boombox. What is it? Like a record a CD player? CD player? Sure, yeah. yeah. And blare it. And I would just be like, fire, fall down, like losing my mind in the bathroom. Um, but yeah, I, I came to know the Lord and still had very little information um, to go along with my very emotional experience. Um, and, you know, there's there's a there's a ton of stuff that, that I, I could throw in there. But, you know, ultimately getting to the point where I'm, uh, I realize that I want to do worship for my life. That's I want to do music. I want to write and I want to lead people into worship. And I realized that I wanted to lead worship for the first like for real. It's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And um sure enough as these things tend to do um my trauma started popping back up in different ways where I was I was immediately, because of whatever you want to say, um, talent or anointing or whatever like word we want to use for it, but every place I would go, be it my church or my Bible college or everywhere after that, people would be like, you're a leader here. You're a leader. You're a leader. You Here, go and be on the stage. And people are going to look at you and you need to do the thing to make them feel good. So do it and... Like you're anointed, <laughs> and it's like it, it means so well, man. But but here's this um, here's this um, recycled trauma that's coming up, saying in my head, okay, especially now for the cause of Christ, for His kingdom, for um, for the church at large. Now more than ever. If you are your true self, you're going to disappoint people. And so you better put on the face. Hmm. If you, if you, as a kid, let your dad down so bad that he couldn't stand to be around, which obviously isn't the truth, but that's what was my reality. It's, yeah, um, reality. It was my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, if that was true then, how much more now that there's cameras and lights focused in on your face and a microphone that's going to amplify what you have to say. So you better make sure that everything you do is so carefully curated to make sure that people aren't going to be disappointed. Like, man, let me tell you, I crashed and burned hard, so hard. Um, I, Oh, you know, Ultimately, this is all leading to a, a point of catastrophe, which I feel like if you gave anybody the, those recipes, they could whiteboard the ending. They'd be like, yeah, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> like something's going to go wrong here. Um, so it was 2018. Okay. The, and that is three years Three ago. years ago. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. Three years ago. Three years ago. Wow. Um, We're old. Yeah. Just <laughs> wise beyond our years. <laughs> um, so three years ago, 2018 happens, and uh, 
it's the first time that all of my life experience and all that I was trying to carry converged. Um, I had successfully kept them separate and suppressed and juggled and made myself busy and refocused and reframed to do so much. Uh, and finally it all, like all the plates started falling around me. Um, I was leading worship at a church, um, at my church, Red Rocks Church. I was leading, I was leading worship every Sunday absolutely dead on the inside and couldn't tell anyone about it. We just so happened to write a song called Breakthrough. And this song is a faith-filled, prophetic, declarative song about God's going to move the mountains for you. And I could not have been more dead inside. And we go on stage and record this song, and then it ends up taking off. And in the process of me spontaneously combusting, all those that were closest to me in my life suffered because of it. Um, I immediately went immediately went into like it felt like the most intense fetal position, um, and because of that, people around me got burned hard. Friends, relationships, family members, all of them they got super hurt because I was a mess. And if they would poke and they would prod and they would try to help and try to get in there, it would be immediately met with like this over-the-top backhand, like, no, get away from me. Um, and I I found myself friendless, or here's how it felt, friendless, unseen, superficially celebrated as far as a song doing well. Um, you were Corey who sang Breakthrough. Yeah. Yeah, and we were going on radio tours and we were I was doing interviews and I I was spouting off nonsense because I needed to be this for my church. It was for Jesus. You know, it was like this really messed up, but I understand how I got there. It was noble, but it was wrong and it was it was it was lying. Mm-hmm. Is what it was. Um and so you know, ultimately this all leads to to uh, I have some incredible leaders that I work for that heard and saw the reality of my death inside. I mean, guys, for real, there was a moment where I was like, I don't think I'm a Christian. I, if this is what Christianity is, then I don't want it. I had a conversation with God. I went to a birthday party downtown Denver and Everything I had experienced and everything I had been doing, you know, for him, um, it turned into anger. It turned into, I've been doing this for you and you didn't heal me of all of my trauma. So that's on you and and you're cruel and you're a terrible God then. Um, you know, I, I, I told him that night at the birthday party, I said, you're either not real or you're cruel. And... There better be a third option or I'm out of here. And again, that's my second most bratty prayer I've ever prayed. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is in that, like, that's real and that's life. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. if we were to try to pretend that we could live our entire lives in this bubble wrapped, I only need to come to God in, in Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. We're 
mis- like we're disillusioned in that. Like the idea, and that's what I think this whole thing is, is like what you're speaking to, these yelling at God, these challenging God, these questioning God, that's the reality of life and of faith. Mm. And so you are living an authentic life that a man lives, that a human lives. And like, I don't think you need to balance that as a bratty prayer. I think that's an mm. authentic prayer. I think David like prayed something very similar a lot of times throughout the book of Psalms where mm-hmm. he was like crying out to the Lord, why are you doing this? Like, <laughs> I just think that like, even in that, like if I could just encourage you, like you don't need to counterbalance that as a bratty prayer. Mm. You were living life as a 20 something who was going through some stuff. Yeah. And yeah, thank you. Because the reality is I, I, I got to the point, man, where my tolerance for, I, I realized that I had been playing, you know, defensive end for God as long as I'd known him. I'm like, I need to make sure that I'm covering your back. I'm going to like, I'm going to be your insurance because, you know, my family who they aren't Christian, they don't know. Like, I, I'm going to make sure that I've got your blind side. So um, all their questions about you, like, I'm going to come up with the right answer and convince them that you're good. And all, you know, all that did for me was make me have to avoid my real trauma that, that, do you know what the third option was other than him being not real or cruel? It was, hey, come to me with all your burdens. All you weary, come to me. You will find rest. Like the the third option is that he his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But I wouldn't bring it to him. I wouldn't allow him to, to deal with it because it was number one, exhausting to me to think about dealing with it. And number two, it was so covered in shame that even for the Lord to look upon it like he doesn't already, but even for me to uncover what I had covered up, for me, it was mortifying. And I had experienced that if I uncover pieces of myself and show it to people, that they won't like it and that they'll be done with me. So I didn't want that happening with me and the Lord. I know that sounds like really crazy, but I didn't want him to look at my mess and for our relationship to be over. And I fully mm. expected that to happen. Well, we, we, I think we as humans, sorry, I keep interjecting. Right? No, I love it, please. But like, I think as humans, we put this person, we try to personify God and he's not a person. Mm-hmm. He is God. And so like, with you, you're like, oh, people respond this way. I know people, people respond this way. God will respond this way. My my dad, my relationship with my father is this way. So my heavenly father, why wouldn't it be any different? Mm-hmm. And I that is that is not um uncommon. Mm. I think that that's like a common theme. For insert your testimony here. But like, and insert your hurt here and your wounds caused by other humans here. And you portray that and you like, you maybe portray, you project is the word I'm looking at. You project that onto how God is going to be. Yeah. And that's, 
again, you're not alone in that. Like you're, I guarantee you there's someone listening. I'm thinking of someone who I've had this conversation with before where that's not the truth. Mm -hmm. So I rebuke that. If that's how you feel right now, like our God does not treat you how your mom treats you. Your dad, she does not, he does not treat you the way that your best friend treats you or your brother or your dad or your grandpa. Like he is outside of that. Hmm. Sorry. That's beautiful. No, and and what and what a what a like freeing reality that is to get there. And and I, and I think, you know, I, everyone's testimony is ongoing. Every story is still being written. Um one of my fa- favorite things to address God as right now in my life is I'll 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 start a prayer and I'll call him author. Hmm. And then at the end of my prayer I'll I'll call him finisher. And so everything in between that prayer from author to finisher is, is the, is the process. Mm. It's, he started the book, but he's also, he's also going to write the period at the end of the book. And, um, and so that goes to say, I, my testimony is not over. Um, nobody's is until they are either dead and with Christ or he comes back. And so, where I am right now is I'm I'm learning to trust that God is what who he says he is. And that even that phrase has been kind of like it's turned cute. It's turned romantic into lyric. And that's great. Love it. I hope it just really speaks to a lot of people. But um if we you know for me it's I want to believe that God is who he says he is. I, I want I want that to be true. Matter of fact, if he's not who he says he is, then everything I am affording to him, everything that I'm offering him as living sacrifice, um, is in the worst hands possible. He has to be who he says he is, or my whole future <laughs> is super effed. <laughs> and all of your past is... yeah. And but that's faith, yeah, like, yeah, that in itself is like I mean, it's the faith, it's the assurance of things unseen, mm-hmm. faith is the assurance of things on things unseen, the uh conviction of of things hoped for mm-hmm. uh is Hebrews eleven, and how like either we believe something that it we believe in this omnipotent God who is. Alpha and Omega, the author and the finisher, or we're living a, a we're gonna like that's that's what faith is. We mm-hmm. believe that when we die, we're going to heaven. Yeah, but I mean, there is the chance that like maybe we're crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I have you know what I have faith that I'm not like yeah. I had the I had some uh, there was a guy in my life who he said this. And it moved me, man, because it was it was right in the height of my like, is any of this real? Yeah. <laughs> is it all fake and I'm just crazy? Uh but he said I posed the question to him, like, what if we're wrong? Just like what if? You know? And he's so wise to begin with, but he sat back and he goes, Hmm. He said, You know what? If we're wrong, like we just die and we die. And we die, and that's fine. He said, however, even if we're wrong and my life 
was modeled after the kind of man that Jesus was, I still lived a really great life. And I was super kind. And I was really generous. And I loved everyone that was around me. And I was a breath of fresh air for those that that needed levity in their life. Hmm. And I remember that, that like shook me to my core. I'm like, oh my God, Jesus was so good on the earth that even if he didn't bring eternal salvation, that we would still want to model our life after him. That's how good he is. That's crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's real. And that's, that's, I, it, I, I read a, a, a thing about Penn and Teller. Do you know who Penn and Teller are? Uh-huh. They're magicians in Vegas. They, and one of them, I think is Penn, is this like outspoken, devout atheist. But after every show, someone, the same guy would come up to him over and over again and hand him the gospel, like the printed gospel. Oh, cool. And the guy's like, over and over again, the guy, he was kind to him. He's like, thank you, but I'm okay. Thank you, but I'm okay. And then he was asked about that years down the road. And he goes, I still don't believe that there is a God. He goes, but how cruel. He goes, I have so much respect for that guy. Because how cruel would it be if you truly in your heart of hearts believe that if I die, I'm going to hell. And you live your life in a way that is not proving to me that there's a, there's a right. Like, yeah. like if you believe that I, if you truly believe that if I don't accept this Jesus guy and you're, and I'm, or I'm going to hell, how cruel do you have to be to not share that with me? Mm. Like, and that struck me. Cause like, if I'm not living in a way that like even makes it convicting for you or like, or like kind of intriguing to live like Jesus, then how am I living my life? Yeah. And so like, and like how like like it it, it it my wife is really good at this. I'm not as great. I'm not as great as an evangelical evangelist. There That's it goes. It. Like sharing the gospel to some random person. Like we were out at at Avanti the other night, and I couldn't find Jess. We were leaving, <laughs> and she had turned and walked back to the couple next to us at Avanti, and started sharing the gospel with them because we started talking with them at dinner, and she's like. There's something on that guy, and like I just need to talk mm. to him about it. So I thought she went into the bathroom, and she straight up just turned around and walked and sat at their table and started telling them about Jesus. And I'm like, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at that at Jess all. That's is a national treasure. <laughs> it's crazy. Nicholas Cage type level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry, we got way, way off. We um, did, and I liked it though. Okay, back to eight, 2018. Mm-hmm. Guys, this this show is is uh, full of rob- rabbit trails. Yeah. Uh, so just keep up. You, you um, knew it when you had me on here. Yeah. No. Well, just in general, I, I mean, the two of us in a room, it's going to be a rabbit trail. <laughs> so, uh, 2018, yes. you are pulling back the covers f- for the the curtain for for God. Yeah. Or being challenged to at this birthday party down in Denver. Yeah. Uh, I mean, ultimately, man, the 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 fact of the matter was is that it was probably the first time since becoming a christian since identifying as a worship leader um since being on staff at a church it was the first time where i had honest conversation where i wasn't avoiding the ugly realities of my my life my experiences it was the first time where i said okay lord um I have avoided for a long time the re- the my testimony, you know, um, 
Where were you? Where were you when all that stuff was happening? What were you thinking when I had no parental oversight? Hmm. What were you doing? And if you're such a good father, like I have to sing every Sunday that you are, um, how are you doing that? And how do I justify that? How do I not be a liar on a stage with a camera on my face? Uh, and this, that was the level of like intensity that we got to. Um, and I, I think there's, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of revelation to answer all those questions that I feel like he took the time to walk me through each. But ultimately it can be said, man, um, I have a great, I, I, I work at an amazing place and I love my leader. I would take a bullet for him tomorrow. Um, but he recognized that I wasn't well. And he let me, um, we planted a church down in Austin and he let me move. Some of my best friends are down there work, work in the church. And he let me move down there and help plant the church and get it started, get the worship started there. Um, and being there um, afforded time and it was maybe it was because it was a new scenery and it was there was a lack of proximity to me and the busy or or Denver for me symbolized some of my deepest you know struggling times and so maybe there was a lack of proximity to Denver that helped I, I don't know but about six months um later I I started healing and I started um, hearing the voice of God tell me where he was in the room in some of my most traumatic moments and sharing his heart on how he felt during, during some of the most traumatic moments. Um, specifically with, you know, when our dad left, um, I asked the Lord, I said, where were you in that room? If you're omnipresent, right? If you're, if you're Emmanuel here with us, where were you? Where were you standing in that room? And what were you doing? What was your face like? What were you, what were you feeling? And, and why didn't I feel you? And, and why didn't I know about you yet? Um, and there's some very honest and real hard questions to ask. Um, you know, I, I have to say this. I'm three years away from my um, very real soul death experience. And I I would say I experienced a Lazarus level resurrection in my life where I feel like I already had the, the, the grave clothes on me. I felt like I smelled like the grave. Um, I was already planning an extra exit strategy because I didn't want to hurt my church. I was like, I'm not okay. And I guess I'm not a Christian question mark. How do I deal with that? And how do I do it gracefully? Um, so I, I smelled like death and I'll say this, um, it's three years since that experience. And because of Jesus, I am more in love with his word than I've ever been. I'm more in love with the person of Jesus than I've ever been. I'm more, uh, I'm more captured by the mystery of the Holy Spirit than I ever have been. Um, I'm more confident and stable 
in who I am because of Jesus than I ever have been. There's there's so much that has been returned and turned around for good. Um, but man, the process, gosh, the process was so intense to get there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll share this just because it's um, it's one of the, it's one of the things that I think. Re- if if my resurrection was over a six month period of times, there were a couple times where the Lord took time to like, what are those things called when like you rub them together and then resuscitate? Uh, yeah, but I don't. That's what they're doing is resuscitating. But yeah. what is electrocharge heart? Yeah, things. the the zzz, boom things. Yeah, you guys get it. <laughs> <laughs> just just go with us here. Grey's Anatomy. Um, Picture Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> you know, I've never seen it, but... Good. I'm proud of you for that. Good for me. Um, but if, you know, if my resurrection process was a six-month um, situation, there were a couple different of those little charges on my chest. And this was the first one. Um, it was time to start thinking about the next project, which is what we just released. Um, and I couldn't read the Bible because I was so angry with the Lord and I didn't trust it. Didn't trust anything it had to say. Um, but it had, it had been, you know, a few months into this process and, uh, I felt like I was like, okay, well I need to be inspired by something. And so let's, <clears throat> let's just go to Genesis Let's. I want to watch him create and see what he was like. And so I read Genesis one and two, and it's beautiful. And he's by the power of his literal word, science is created and math is ordained. Right? It's it's wild, the strength in his voice. Um, and he creates humans, and he creates order, and he creates all of life, and he gives mankind the ability to dominate over it right and then here we come the sad stupid mistakes and what do we do we disappoint the father in my head i'm reading this and i'm like oh that's me that's what my dad felt i'm re- i'm reading adam and eve they they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil um they messed it up they messed up this beautiful utopia and I, I was reading, and um, I talked about this with my friend Ryan down in Austin. Um, you know, it's, it is, in the word it says, after they, after they ate the, the fruit, they were covering their nakedness and they were hiding in shame. And it says, <clears throat> in the cool of day, God was walking in the garden, and He asked Adam, "Where are you?" And the Holy Spirit stops everything and he says, what, what was the tone of my voice when I asked this question? What did I sound like when I said, Adam, where are you? And, you know, I'm chewing on this question for so long and I feel like the answer I have to come up with is like, at best, disappointed. That, how, like, there's no way that you're thrilled. There's no way that you're excited about what's going on. Um, couple weeks go by and the Holy Spirit just reveals through conversation and his word. But he reveals like, hey, what if, what if we just always were used to going on walks in the cool of day and it was 
time for our walk? What if there was no angry tyrant tone to my voice when I said, Adam, where are you? So it wasn't, Adam, where are you? You know, like when Hoagie's in trouble or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like what if it was like, Adam, where are you, dude? Let's go. You know, and I feel like that tone is what I've learned to hear from the Holy Spirit is what if he's not disappointed? What if he just wants to walk with me? And what and what if he's like, oh man, I'm like, I'm brokenhearted that you experienced that in your life. Um, that hurt me when that happened, but like, I just want to walk with you. And I think I have some really good things that will heal you and feel good to hear. So just be close. And, and, and that's, I feel like that's what got me through that journey to, to resurrection is learning to trust, like at, you know, at the very minimum, which if this was it, it's enough at the very minimum, Jesus just wants me to be close. He's not disappointed. He's not frustrated with my, uh, with who I am or who I am not. He's not frustrated with the journey and the process. And so I know that's so long to get here, but if I had to like put a bow tie on on the, well, I guess a bow, put a bow <laughs> on top. I was looking at Hoagie, he's got a bow tie on. If I had to put a bow on top of my testimony right now, it would be like, I'm just learning to trust that the Lord wants to be near me. Um, and that he's not revulsed by my screw ups. He's not annoyed with me. He just likes me. Thank you. Absolutely. I think I talked for seven years. No, you talked for 58 minutes and 20, 58 minutes. That's too long, Mitch. No, it's not at all. (laughs) Dude, if, if you listened to my episode where I talked about myself for, I went on tangents from like that. People don't need to know this even a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we can cut that down. No, no, no. We're not going to do that at all. Uh, cause I have questions for you. So, okay. uh, if you could tell yourself, I want you to choose the point, like, uh, whether it be, I don't even give you, I'm not even going to try to, I want you to, you to choose the point of, you can say or do one thing to you at this age, that crossroads moment, uh, whenever that may be, uh, what would, what would, what would happen? You're introduced to blank years old, Corey. Mm. I would say the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, I'd like to talk to 12 year old Corey. And I'd probably just say like, hey, a lot of what you're experiencing is just stuff they haven't dealt with yet. It's not actually about you. Mm-hmm. I wish I could tell myself that because I, you know, people go into fight or flight and I'll 100% always go into flight for whatever reason. Um, and so I, if people are upset, I, I immediately think it's my fault. They could be strangers and they're mad. And I'm like, oh, I did it. It's me. Oh, my God. They hate me. Um, So I wish I could go back and be like, hey, it's not actually about you. Um, You're free to be you. Just go. Hmm. And then I might slap 16-year-old version of me (laughs) because he was not nice. (laughs) What about the version of you that has a man bun? Oh, the version that is That's currently, yeah. 
Honestly, I'm getting a lot of hate for it, but it's the awkward stage. You have to push through it. I know it's it's happening. But thank you for sharing that. I I think that that will. I think that you're not. Well, I just I don't even have to think at this point. I just know, like, you're not the only one who feels that way. Hmm. Like more and more and more. Like, man, I've talked to so many men, and it's like. I can think to three or four times that someone has said something like that. Hmm. And to me, that's just like, you talked about shame earlier and how like you, it, shame is meant to isolate and like, you're not alone because when you're alone, you you're at the mercy of the whispers and hmm. you don't have someone to speak truth. And so, like, I think that's cool that, like, even if you can go speak truth to 12-year-old you, 12-year-old you is someone living that right now. Mm-hmm. There's somebody living that right now. Mm. Uh, and so, man, thank you. Um, another question. Here we go. Uh, as I get choked up. Uh, and a natural segue that I didn't even mean to do. Uh, there is <laughs> somebody who is walking... They are a couple days behind you in your story. They're a couple years behind you in your story. Uh, but they are they're lit, they are about to enter into something that you've already gone. Like they've walked through the storm. They've gone through the eye that you've gone through the eye of the storm. They're on the outside of it with the potential to avoid that storm. Mm. Yeah. What would a a piece of advice or something you would say or do to that person who isn't you. It's someone who you putting your pastor pants on now. Mm-hmm. Man, that's really hard. I would probably quote Harry Potter in this <laughs> scenario. <laughs> Not even a little bit surprised by that, right? Um, the last thing Dumbledore says spoiler alert Dumbledore doesn't make it whatever if that book has been out for 20 something years if you haven't no, read or seen the you. movie that's on you there's no excuse and if you haven't read them we're just not going to be friends and I'm sorry about that but that is a staple rule of my life so um, I stand by that <laughs> I actually think it's biblical so um there is a uh, a quote from Dumbledore, and he says, uh, "Words are, in my not so humble opinion, the most inexhaustible source source of magic we have, capable to heal and to wound." And I have that written in my bedroom, um, and I look at it. I try to look at it every morning um, because I feel like. It's biblical to believe that the power of life and death comes from the tongue. Um, I don't think that that is a curse that you can put on people. I don't think you could look at them and be like, you are going to do that and curse them. I think what it is, it is uh, millennials are and, and Gen Z are picking up on it. It's self-actualization. It is. Um, it's what you meditate on, you, it, you see come to fruition. If I say with my mouth out loud, 
hey, Jesus, may the meditations of my heart and the words of my mouth be pleasing unto you. If I say out loud, I want to be a man after your own heart. If I say out loud, like, hey, you said I'm enough. You said that I'm more than a conqueror. You said that greater is he that's alive in me than he's in the world. I'm using my words. I'm actually, like, reinforcing my identity. Um, I'm reinforcing truth with actual words. Um, and I, I haven't always been this person, but I would say to someone who is days to a year behind me in my journey, I would say, um, remind yourself of truth out loud. Hmm. Say it, say it in your bedroom, say it actually out loud. Um, there's something different about hearing yourself say what is true versus just knowing it in your head. Um, so I have to thank Dumbledore for that quote, which really he was just an analogy for yeah. the Bible. So that book is very much, there's a lot of biblical parallels. Oh, dude, book seven, I just bawl my eyes out because it's just <laughs> Jesus. But so. do you know what's crazy about what, like, what you said is God, it's so good, but like the enemy whispers. Like the enemy talks, like he sometimes whispers, but the enemy cannot audibly speak to you, uh, right? And so, like for me to speak truth, I know that that is truth. It's not uh -huh. what's being told to me in my head, and I, that's cool. Like, I just love. It's not a coincidence. I mean, it's Holy Spirit, but like I read James three today, and you're talking about you literally just quoted it, uh, you paraphrased it, talking about the power of the tongue and how it's life or death. And in James three, it talks about how. Um, Likewise, the tongue is the smallest part of the body, but it makes great, uh, great, great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire in itself, set on fire by hell. Like if the tongue has that much power to do harm, it also equal and opposite. Like yep. it can do the same for good. And like it's our choice whether we, or not we choose to speak like you're saying life over yourself or speak death there's man i i'm i'm so on this kick right now that the power that exists within our brain to okay there is a study right now they studied a, a olympic uh mogul skier mm -hmm. and He said, when I'm going down the mountain, I'm not thinking, okay, dodge that tree, dodge that tree, dodge that rock, dodge this, dodge that, there's that, don't hit that. In his head, what he's saying is, there's the snow, there's the snow, there's my path. There's my path. And what he says is, if I am thinking about the all the obstacles, and if I'm if I'm thinking so much about what I could hit and what I might run into, he's like, I'm going to run into one of them. However, if my mind is constantly on the path, constantly on the path that the snow is taking me, and naturally avoid those obstacles. And so I feel like what speaking out loud does for you is remind your brain, like, Hey, there's a lot here that's vying for my attention. There's a lot inside that's like, that is wanting 
allegiance from me, but like, here's what's true. There's my path. Here's what's true. This is what the Bible says. Here's my path. Hmm. I'm going to like out loud, out loud worship in my bedroom today. There's my path, you know, and you're just, you're, it's again, it's annoying because Gen Z and millennials are like f- discovering biblical truth without like, Applying the Bible to, Jesus. to it. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, well, self-actualization works. So if you envision it, you'll see it. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that was already written in Psalms, <laughs> like literally thousands of years ago. So get with the program. <laughs> Sorry. Have you heard of David? Have you ever heard of King David? Ew, David. <laughs> uh, I hate that I just, I hate that show. I hate that I quoted you that. You hate that show? I think it's hilarious, no, dude. my wife and her whole family and all of her, her friends, family likes it uh everyone yeah no not not her parents but her okay. siblings okay there you go that makes more sense yeah um hi julie hi glenn if you guys listen to this julie i love you so much um but yeah i love that the it's a reframing it's like a reframing of like your how you think and instead of focusing on these negatives you're focusing on the positives you're focusing on like man i think one thing for me is like my aunt challenged me in this the other night uh she was like who's saying that because i was i was uh the timeline of this is gonna throw you all off but i mean i was getting ready to release the first episode of this and i was just having a lot of anxiety over it. And I was expressing to her these thoughts I was having. And she was like, who is telling you this? And I'm like, well, she goes, would your father in heaven, would Jesus be saying these things to you? Oof. And it was a gut punch. I was like, (laughs) I was like, oof. But it's a reframing of focusing on those things. And then, or focusing on, what would Jesus be saying to me in this moment instead of me giving weight to what the enemy is very yeah. clearly whispering? Um, and that's that speaking out loud thing. Mm-hmm. Dang. Well, dude, I, I appreciate you a ton. I can I one, last thing. About oh that. no, you just hit me and I'm, I'm like out loud verbal processing this. So yeah, we're good. We're time wise. We're still not going to touch the hour 40 minutes that I did. So, <laughs> Um, it's interesting that we're talking about how strong that are, like when we speak something and, and I don't know why I've never, uh, I don't know why I've never landed there, um, until now, but it's interesting to me that even in Genesis, okay, we'll we'll use two extremes, Genesis, like the word said, let there be light. He spoke something into existence and it, and it obeyed, right? Mm-hmm. But then you flip over in Revelation, and the revelation that John received was that Christ that returns has eyes of fire and a sword coming out of his mouth. And I'm wondering how much of that is like the analogy of like, I, I don't know. I think, I hope it's an analogy because <laughs> how creepy would it be if like, we're like, Jesus. Yeah. And he's like, and then a sword, sword just like, <laughs> sword just, yeah. It's like the most anime thing I've ever heard, but maybe Lord just do it, whatever. Uh, but how, how I, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining 
you know, the creative side of me is wondering like, I, John, I wonder if what you saw was pointing to the reality that like when he speaks, the world has no choice but to listen hmm. um, because it has done that before. It, 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 it was formed that way. Uh, so I don't know. I, again, you know, we, there are these realities that the Lord is like, Hey, you have my likeness. We have a Mago Dei. We are formed in the likeness of God. And so I wonder if because we imitate our father and if we mirror his, like his likeness, maybe that's why when we speak things out into existence, they actually come to fruition. Mm. Um, that would, that would be us just being like that, you know? Yeah. Anyway, that was a new thought. No, I love that. And it, it sparked one in me. I think that, which is fun. Uh, I think part of it, like when you speak things out, it's easier to just kind of dismiss something as frivolous when it's in your brain. Mm-hmm. But the minute you say it, you state claim to it. Yeah. And I'm speaking to dreams. I'm speaking to prayers. I'm speaking to how I want myself to be like the, like I have big dreams and it's easy to keep them in my head because then I don't have to risk someone telling me that I'm silly. Yeah. But Ooh, that's good. But like, there's no risk involved. There's no risk involved. And, but without risk, like there's no faith. Like we're like, again, back to the circle, like we're taking a risk by putting our faith in Jesus. Yeah. And like when you speak something out, when you speak truth, nowadays in the world, truth and positivity are so rare. Like truth in itself, like don't go to social media if you want truth. Well, it's so relative. It's like, this is my my truth. truth. (laughs) (laughs) Man, if I could burn one thing to the ground, it's that. Yeah. But like, I'm like, oh, your truth? Sure. Don't. Never mind. I can't start. We can't start. It'll go down on. Yeah, we don't need to do that right now. Another <laughs> podcast, different day. Uh, but we, when you speak it, you put your name to it almost. Like, hey, remember when Mitch said this? Yeah, remember when Corey so said this? And you're like, yeah. And I, I guess it puts power to it where you're like, yeah. why'd you say that? Because you either believe it or you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Yeah. Like, Like, truthfully... Have you ever, I'm sure you have because we all do, but have you ever had those moments where you're like in a, you're in an argument with someone in your head? Yep. And so sometimes like, man, my shower is like the courtroom. (laughs) I'll, I will like, (laughs) like SVU level, like dun dun. I'll be like, and you said this and I think, you know, I'll just like go through the whole thing. Oh yeah. But when I say it, it actually like reinforces my, like that, that emotion. And oftentimes if that's the setting that I use my voice for, I'll be reinforced in like a really negative headspace Mm -hmm. as it regards to that, as, as it is in regard to that person. Um, So just interesting how the mind listens to the voice. Like, yeah. What is that? Yeah. 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 And it always goes negative. Like our brain is not for us. Uh-huh. Like I those shower conversations are so real. I <laughs> when Jess and I when we first got married, we lived in this tiny apartment and we'd get in these arguments. And I love that apartment by the way. I miss I have it. Such good memories. Yeah, there. I miss it. But we there when we got in an argument, there was no place to go. It was like, I'm going to the bathroom. You're going to the family room. Stay away from my zone. And so I would like <laughs> take a shower and like 
concoct these full conversations <laughs> of like I said this and then she would probably say this and then I would say this and then and I'm and making, then somehow you're always like the victor slash somehow victim. I'm the nice guy and she's the one just saying these awful like yeah. things and then I'm like if I would have vocalized that out loud would my wife <laughs> ever say that <laughs> absolutely not and now i'm just pissed off for no reason (laughs) i've worked myself up i've worked myself up and she's just out there like angry vacuuming probably doing the same thing she angry cleans when when she gets oh i'm the same way i think it's psychological when okay this is dark when my dad actually left he walked out the door and i this is a true story i walked around our house with a rag and a, a can of that pledge spray like because yeah. we had a bunch of wood surfaced yeah. everything. Yeah. And I wiped our entire house down, not knowing that that's like a clinical issue. Like people do that with memories. They try to like clean their house try to get rid of oh. stuff. Oh, that's what I first thought when you said that. I was like, are you trying to like clean your dad from your house? Yeah, I guess I was, but I wasn't smart enough to understand that's what I was doing. I mean, I hope he how, never listens to this. <laughs> how dare, sorry, dad. How dare 12 year old you uh, not understand psychology? I know. Shoot. Um, well, we are. We can keep going. I'm having fun, but uh, this is. I wish I would have talked less about me so that we could get to this part. This no, is fun. but the thing is, is that uh, don't do that, Corey. I'm t- I was going to wrap it up. Like, I feel like there's such a we don't want to talk about ourselves. Yeah. Like, we don't want to talk about our testimony again because we're told that don't talk about yourself, care about others. Like, yeah. cr- like Christians are especially in ministry. Yeah, in ministry, it's like. You, you lay yourself down, you lay down your desires, you lay down your time, your energy, your tears, like for the purpose of the cause, like mm-hmm. for, uh, for the church, like don't speak about yourself, like, because that's, that's then conceded. It's not, it's not, it's prideful. It's not, uh, and there's like, you didn't, you spoke the perfect amount about yourself. Like, you, whatever you said about yourself is what the Holy Spirit's going to use to whoever's listening to this. Mm. And so, shoot, I, I'm thankful that you shared what you shared. I'm thankful that we got to banter and talk and talk about Harry Potter and all of that. All, guys, the real unpopular opinion, had... Harry Potter is not – the movies suck. Movies are not great. The they, books, though. The they're books, nostalgic. The books – Throwing on glass. Some of the grass. How, how do we feel about that? I'm rereading it. I'm on book two. You didn't. We were supposed to reread it together. I know, but you. But I you just needed just... it. <laughs> Catch up. You. You're a fast reader. You're faster than me. Yeah, but that. I don't. I'm mad at you. Uh, <laughs> we read right. the Throwing Up Glass series together the first time. All seven of them. It gets a little dicey. I'm not gonna lie. It does. I'm just... not putting my. I would like to let you know that there are pages in there that I legitimately said. <laughs> Jess, I am not reading these pages. I'm skipping four pages of this book. <laughs> yeah, and the crazy thing is you would need to skip four pages. That's a long scene, bro. I can't imagine. I don't want to get into detail. the author's mind space while she's no. writing that. Um, <laughs> no, don't. Also, wait. Oh, man. Never mind. Keep going. Aragon? Oh, yeah. Those are great. I just finished that like three months ago. Where Jess, Jess reads to me while we drive. Uh, I've read them twice through, but... She has never read them before, and I. What book are you guys on? The last, uh, the third one, Bert, uh, Bersinger. Bersinger, yeah. Uh, which should have been the second book. Agreed. Only because 
that's the fire. It's Berzinger is fire. Which is the first spell he uses. And also the dragon on the front of it is gold, which is not. Okay, I'm going to ruin it. But anyways, it just doesn't make sense. Oh, okay, I'll we ruin are in it right now. For please, everybody. please don't. Because no. I I don't want Jess to listen to this later and have it ruined. Uh, okay, Jess, this is only for you that I'm not. <laughs> All right. Well, Corey. Uh, is, is the real reason you brought me on your podcast so I could write you a quick jingle? Did you write me one? Yeah. That, okay, let's hear it. No, I didn't, but I'm going to write one in the moment. Okay, go. And we can thank Screwball for this. Um, <laughs> this is Corey and Mitch, and we're having a drink. It's over a drink podcast. Boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, on that <laughs> note, uh, we're going to wrap this up. Corey, thank you for coming on and for being authentic and for sharing your wisdom and imparting wisdom on us. Uh, man, I'm thankful for you. Thankful for your friendship. Uh, I'm thankful for your encouragement in this. And I'm just excited to see, man, if one person, if one person, I, I believe that there will be more than one person, but I know that there will be at least one person who uh, is made aware that they are not alone in the uh-huh. shame that they sit under uh, because of you mm-hmm. sharing tonight. And so thank you for that. Uh, guys, uh, I would just, I would ask you to, if you would just share this uh, and I don't say that I don't care at all about metrics. Uh, I don't care at all about views, downloads. You don't, you, how do you view a podcast? You don't, I, but it listens uh, likes, I don't care, but I just so firmly believe that like there is a a man in your world, whether it be you or someone who you're close with or the guy that you talk to at the grocery store every time you see him who needs to hear this. And that that's word of mouth. That's uh, the power of just community. And so would you please, <laughs> I will, I will, I will ask that you would share this um, just just because I believe so much in it. So uh, thank you, Corey. Thank you to all of you who stuck out a minute 22. Uh, And until next time, peace. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Over a Drink podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Over a Drink podcast and on Twitter at over underscore a underscore drink. Reach out and send me a message. I'd also like to encourage you to visit our website at theoverdrinkpodcast.com and sign up for our email newsletter. We're working on weaponizing testimonies here on this podcast, and that isn't exclusive to those who are on the podcast. I'd love for you to send me an email at overadrinkpodcast at gmail.com with a written version of your testimony. I'll put it together in a blog format and then resend it out to everybody on that email list. And in an instant, your testimony will become a weapon. You never know what God is teaching you in your story that may affect somebody else's story. Finally, I want to invite you to join me in supporting this project. There will be a link in the episode notes to a platform called Buy Me a Coffee that will allow you to partner financially with the Over a Drink podcast on a monthly or one-time basis to help move the mission forward of reconfiguring societal norms of what a man should be. Keep an eye out for our next episode. Peace.